Thank you, honey. You know, I was thinking at one point, you know, when, when, we, when we give to God, He always gives back. And, and I don't share stories like that just because I'm trying to motivate you to do something. I'm doing it because I want you to know that God does. When you give, He gives back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, does the Lord give back to you? And so, you know, it's, it's just exciting. And are you guys comfortable in the church? A little chilly? You okay? Okay. <laughs> and I just want to make sure. Thank you. Check one. Are we there? Can you hear me now? Okay. Well, because in, in the new building that we have, if I'm not coming through the monitors, I don't know that I'm coming out into the sanctuary. So we're still learning that. But, um, you know, Elder Cram was here yesterday. And he spoke to the men about, you know, running the race, staying in the marathon and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. So when he came up here, I go, do you guys have a buzz in your system? He says, we've had a buzz in our system since we redid the whole sanctuary. I said, you know what? He goes, listen, preacher. And he was telling Pastor Luke and I the same thing. He goes, you just have to get over it. We've tried everything. We've looked through that whole building thing, and it's a ground wire or something, you know, and it's, and it's not. I want to conclude a thought with all of you today. If no weapon formed against you shall succeed, and I know last week we took a break and we talked about moms because it was Mother's Day and the role of a mother and the, the baby dedication, so on and so forth. But I just want to challenge all of you this morning to know that you know what? Satan will use whatever he can to make sure that we do not succeed. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. But how many of you believe that when the scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world? How many say that? Amen. 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 So we realize that the enemy is always there. And, and one of the things that I started thinking about when I was putting together this message on fear was just this. Pat, you can go ahead and turn these fans off if you've got the air running. Um, that will help just a little bit. But thinking about Concluding, I wanted to, to give a finale and a conclusion to this series because I think one of the greatest things that Satan uses against us is fear. When we are afraid, we are now in bondage to the very thing that we're afraid of. How many of you like the feeling of being afraid? None of us. It's a place that's uncomfortable. It's a place where there's uncertainty. And it's a place where many of us have to say, I don't like it. And what happens when we become afraid, we end up losing perspective of our relationship with who Christ is. So this morning, I want to bring to light some things that I really believe that Satan is doing in the life of all of us. He's creating fear. He's creating anxiety. He's creating panic attacks. He's creating IBS. He's creating deep breathing. He's creating the fear of getting in a car. He's creating, he is creating all these things so that you can't function as effectively and successfully as God the Father created you to do and to be. 
It says in Corinthians, when we're looking at chapter 12, it talks about spiritual gifts. And each and every one of us have a spiritual gift that God has given to us. And when, when fear sets in and when anxiety sets in, then all of a sudden we are no longer any good and we don't do very well with our gifting. And so many of us can say that here we are in the church and we're at, we're at a place in our life where we're saying, okay, I like when Pastor Todd's up there. Listen, I've been doing this for 12 years singing. It's something that I have a gifting and I love to sing. But in reality, I know there's other people in this room that are gifted to sing but won't get up and sing because they're afraid. God gave you a voice. Use it for Him. I've seen, and I have run into people you know, who said, you know, oh, I just left this place. Hey, you guys have tried up here if you're at a, if you're at a, um, how do I want to say this, an event where it's outside, you know, um, what, what is it down there in Akron, downtown Akron? Block three. And lock three. I said block three. Lock. Is it lock three? Yeah. Yes. And they always have the bands there, and sometimes they'll have stuff going on up and down the streets. Where'd you just come from? Oh, I was singing karaoke. You were singing karaoke, really? I didn't even know you could sing. When are you singing again? And if it's out on the stage, I go back and I hear him. I'm thinking, what's going on? I have actually gone back up to somebody and said, I've never heard you sing in church. I'm not getting up in church and singing. I'm scared to death. See, it's different when you're out here. Everybody's doing their thing. Nobody's paying attention to me. I'm just singing. I said, but I was. But you see, we've allowed those fears to overtake us where we can no longer be effective for Christ. I'll give you a story. All along, you know, when you start a church, you're out and you start praying about it. You trust in God. You're down on your knees and you're praying. And, you know, God said to me, Todd, do this. You've got it. I've got it all under control. Go for it. What's the first thing that went through my head? What if it fails? The fear of failure. We've all been there. We won't play sports because we're afraid of failure. We won't try out for anything because we're afraid of failure. I go to a pastor's conference, and I'm going to share something that Pastor Luke said to me. He said, sometimes it's intimidating for me to be around all of these pastors because, you know, they're running churches and they're doing things. And he says, I don't know sometimes what to do with myself. See, you're called. Embrace your calling. Embrace your gifting. And if you continue to keep saying, I can't do it. Brother Steve loves to teach. He's a great teacher. But Satan can continue to keep saying, well... You know what? If five people show up or if 35 people show up, is it me? He'll, he'll plant that, but you're a phenomenal teacher. That's the gifting that God has put within you, Brother Steve. And so you embrace that gift. And what Satan does is he makes us fearful thinking that we are not effective in the calling or gifting. Just think about it for a minute. If you've never gone through a spiritual gift test, I encourage you to do that. And if you don't know what your gifting is, then try to find out what it is that God wants you to do. And I'm even talking to my daughters, my, the youth. If you have not embraced your calling, your gifting, do it now because God's already moving within your life to do something for Him. And you can't, you can't say, oh, 
what, when I'm 18? No, society has put 18 out there. So what I'm trying to explain here is just this. We cannot further the kingdom of heaven if it doesn't take all of us succeeding and trusting in God to do what we're supposed to do. I hate failure. I don't want to be a failure. But see, this isn't my church. It's God's. This is His bride. It's not, yes, I might be the under-shepherd to the great high-shepherd to, to lead the flock of Jesus Christ. And yet, to encourage you to continue to use your gifting to evangelize and do outreach so that people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Pastor, I was going to go out for this new job. I just can't right now. Well, why aren't you going out for that? I'm scared to death. I've never been in a management position quite like that before. Well, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Have you ever done it before? Yeah. Well, then go apply. Don't be afraid. Don't live a life in bondage when you can live a life in freedom and victory. Don't live a life in bondage when you can live a life in freedom and in victory. So if you would, please turn with me in, my, in our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. That's Nehemiah chapter 6. What is fear? And how does it affect us? What is fear? And how does it affect us? Fear what? We have to be careful what we fear. And I love this passage and I love Nehemiah. You have to realize that Nehemiah, let me just give you kind of a little bit of a platform. Nehemiah was called, he was the cupbearer to the king. So he served the king. And then all of a sudden he found favor with the king and the king assigned him and appointed him the position of governor. And even though the walls in Jerusalem had been so crumbled, war had taken place, it was Nehemiah's responsibility to rebuild those walls. And yet, he went to God and he started praying, and God spoke to him. But isn't it funny when you all of a sudden feel like you should do something, and you get this intuition... And it goes right back to, for some of the youth today that won't remember who Tom and Jerry is. But it reminds me of the little cartoon of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, there's Tom and there's Jerry. And within there, they always played two roles, the angel and the devil. And, you know, Tom and Jerry were always at each other and always doing different things. But in reality, what I love that took place was that the angel as I would say the Holy Spirit was guiding. But all of a sudden, you don't want to do that. Don't move in that direction. Tom might be waiting around the corner to get you. That's a lot like Satan, the enemy, the prince and the power of the air and of this world. He's always around the corner. And every time you feel that motivation to keep going and to keep moving and to doing what you're supposed to do, all of a sudden you're halted because something says you will never achieve it, you'll never make it, you'll never be able to do it. Stay where you're at. Misery loves company. It's comfortable right where you're at. When In reality, what God is trying to do is to 
grow you. So we see here that Nehemiah was at a place in his life. Now try to follow me this morning. I won't make it long. We'll make it quick because we know we have the luncheon afterwards. And the pastors have to get in the car and start traveling that direction. But I will tell you this. That with Nehemiah, he was encouraged to build a wall. And a prophet that came up who was a hireling, which means that he was actually... He said he was a prophet. He wasn't a prophet of God. He was doing it for money. He was always trying to trip up Nehemiah. He was always trying to deceive Nehemiah. Have you ever been in that place where you felt like, man, why did I just feel like the sense of deception is always right there? I'm trying to move forward in my life, but I can't because there's always Satan who's always there telling me, I can't do it, it'll never happen. But see, that's where faith kicks in. And then as soon as faith starts to kick in, all of a sudden you realize, yes, I'm living a life that's trusting in God. And that's overcoming the spiritual warfare. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9. So I'll read, I'll read 9 through 19. For they all made us afraid. There's the word afraid saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabil, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. You need to be afraid. Listen, You need to go inside there. Don't do anything for the Lord. Don't use your giftings for God. Don't you build that wall. When if you look in the previous chapters, you realize that Nehemiah had cried out to God and he said, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Lord, help me to do this. And he built the wall just like we remodeled this church in 30 days. They did it in 50. Because he felt the power of Almighty God, and yet it says in here, the enemy, and I'm going to get this without getting too far ahead of myself, came to tell him, don't do it, they're after you. So let's continue. Verse 11, And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sebelat had hired him. Therefore was he hired, not that I should be afraid, and do so, and sin, that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, thank thou upon Tobiah and Sebelat, according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So then we go into verse 15, they start to finish the wall. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Yolol, in 50 and 2 days. It came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that, heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Johanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechai. Also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. So the false prophet was continually doing a work to bring on anxiety, worry, nervousness. 
In chapter 6, it's the devil's last ditch effort to stop the good work on the wall. We have seen his distraction and his slander all through the Old Testament, and he's still at work trying to destroy and now fear. Twice in our passage I read this morning, the word afraid and fear came into play. The enemy said, run for your life, Nehemiah. But in verse 11, he said, such a, such a man as I flee? The devil is the sinister minister of fear. It's the opposite of faith, which is what pleases God. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. Fear of God alleviates all other fears. And if you kneel before God, you can stand before man. If you kneel before God, you can stand before man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. And in these next three points, Father, help me to be able to communicate and let the congregation know the importance of letting go of fear. Stop being afraid. Lord, we need to trust in you. As the old hymn says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So, Father, we trust you today. Deliver your word. May not come back void. In your holy name we pray. Amen. When we started the church, I was a youth pastor. I had resigned from the position that we were in. And a couple of the families had come to me and said, what do you think about starting New Hope Christian Fellowship? And I said, well, I'm not starting anything. I don't want to start a church. I've always been an associate pastor. That's what I've done for the last 17 years. I'm happy. I really was. I was comfortable. Really what I was saying was, I'm not starting any church because I'm afraid. And I'll never forget that one day that I got on my knees and I knelt and that's why I say it's so important. If you kneel before God, you can stand before man. Because I already knew what was going to happen to me. I already knew that some of the friends that I had had would no longer become my friends. They would become my enemies. Pastor, how can you say that? Because did the twelve always walk with Jesus? Oh no, they were in his company, right? But they sold him out. They denied him. They lied to him. They deceived him. They weren't doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. And yet he thought, at least they thought he didn't know, until he says, oh, wait, till the rooster crows three times. You'll deny me. Well, how would Jesus know that? Because he's the Son of God. That's why. But I realized right then, wait a minute. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to take on a position... And I'm going to lose, because you know why? Being a pastor is not an easy job. Because it's a calling. It is not easy. Because the people that you love, as soon as you tell them, no, fine. We're no longer friends. They don't understand. It's no different. And parents, you can relate with me. If some of you parents would understand the concept of authority and leadership, when your kids come to you and you say, no, don't do that, what, what are you doing? You're doing it to protect them, right? But you know what's so interesting in the church? If you say that's not a good idea, they don't understand the dynamic of what's going on and the outcome of it. 
And there's times in my life that I've wanted to protect a family or protect an individual, and yet some of my great friends, we don't even speak anymore. So I've gone to my pastor friends. That's why I love Pastor's Conference, because we can cry on each other's shoulders. And, uh, oh, you go through the same thing I go through? I thought it was just me. I thought they didn't like the way I parted my hair or something. I don't know. But, you know, you you start thinking all these things. And so when all that fear and anxiety and worry starts to overcome you, you start freaking out. And you go, I can't do this. I know what it was like. I was a youth pastor. And then because you start a church, you realize that the pastor that you were currently previously with, all he does is put you down out in public. I was out in in a, a store and he's like, are you Pastor Todd? I heard you say the name and I Because, re- oh, I go over here to this church and that's what he was saying. He brought your name up. I go, I haven't been there for 10 years. You see, what just happened? Fear took place and we lose our focus, right? So let's make it real. So when we take our eyes off of Christ and the greater calling, you know, isn't it great to watch people get baptized? Isn't it great to see the people that have gotten saved here at this church? That new hope has brought hope for people. Can I be all things to all men? No. Can this church be? No. But one thing we can offer is the Word of God. We can offer love. We can offer encouragement. We can offer the Word and I can teach you the principles on what God has done through other men of God to give them life and to give it to them abundantly. And so... Throughout my life, I, I've, I've actually scratched my head and gone in my prayer closet. I've cried. I've wept. I've been at this altar. I've cried. And I'm thinking, God, but I invested so much time and so much energy. And right now we're right back to the beginning again. So Nehemiah identified with the prophet at that point. and says, wait a minute. You're trying to lead me astray. You know the old saying, you are who you hang with? Because people will try to lead you astray. Because that's what Satan does. He allows people to come up into your life and allow you to say, don't do that. I would be afraid myself. Isn't it amazing what we do? We say we're Christians, and I mean that. We say we're Christians, but we don't practice a life filled with faith. A life that's full of faith. Say this, I trust God. I trust God. Do you? So point number one. Three points on fear. One, Fear degrades our Lord. Fear degrades our Lord. It's an insult to God when we become fearful or afraid. An insult to His sovereignty. He is in control, but says, but we say He's not in control. And fear says He's not in control too. An insult to His providence. He guides us, but fear says, oh no, He doesn't guide you. It's an insult to His power. He protects us. But fear says, no, he doesn't. Remember when Israel left Egypt? They were halted at the banks of the Red Sea. They were afraid and said, wish we had just died back in Egypt. How are we ever going to cross the sea? Why were they afraid? Because they forgot what God had just done through ten plagues to get them out there. Isn't that amazing? We see the hand of God. Church, we have seen the hand of God. And yet Satan will say, nothing's happening at that church. We'll see people get saved. We'll see people get delivered. We'll see people go through the baptismal waters. And the next thing Satan does is he grabs a hold of them and yanks them right back into the pit where they were at. 
And then all of a sudden we lose our sense of faith and our trust because of fear that sets in. It was the children of Israel. Fear came in. And they forgot that God was standing right there with them. Fear came in and they forgot that God was standing right there with them. It's amazing to me. Fear degrades our Lord. He is insulted as we forget His presence and stop trusting in Him. So God parts the waters for Israel. And they cross miraculously on dry ground. Isn't that amazing? So now all their fears are dispelled, right? Wrong. Soon they run short on food and water and say, Moses, did you bring us here to die? Sure, God can put the waters, part the waters, but he gives us water in the desert. Yes, he did. Right out of a rock and manna from the sky. Are they over their fears now? No. They come to the edge of the promised land. Some of the spies return with a bad report and what gripped their hearts? Fear. See, fear degrades our Lord. Because what happens is we lose sense of who He is. And if our trust is truly in Him, listen church, I know that you don't have to be afraid because if He can part the sea, He can make a way for you and for me. And that's truly what Christianity is about. That's living our life for Him. I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, For God has not given us the spirit of but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Get the picture? Here's Paul in prison telling a guy who is not free to be afraid. This means that fear should have nothing to do with our circumstance. Fear is a choice, so trust it. So we get to a place and go, okay, we're going we're gonna to start a church. And it has blessed my heart all these years. Brother Cliff has gone home to be with the Lord. Lucille Bean has gone home to be with the Lord. But remember those days back at at the YMCA? It didn't matter where we were at. We got together and we worshipped the Lord and, and lives were changed and people were saved. May we never lose sight that God is right here with us. And this is His church. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm in prison, but I know who's in control. Who's with me? Who's providing for me? And who's guiding me? He's trusting in the sovereignty, providence, and power of Almighty God. See, like Paul, Nehemiah isn't focused on the enemy but he's focused on God. When we look in Nehemiah verses 11 and 12, and we look in the part B, or the latter part of verse 9, when we are fearful, we have forgotten three things. When we are fearful, we have forgotten three things, and if you're writing it down, who God is, whose we are, and what God has done for us. Fear degrades our Lord. I don't want to have a church that we're just going through pomp and circumstance. Stand up, sit down, 
fight, fight, fight. I want to have a church where you have a God story and what you're doing is really, you're saying, yes, here's my God story. I want to walk into the church and I want to hear your God stories. I would love to have a whole service. We did this a few years back where all we listened to was God stories. Because we want people to see that God is still moving in the hearts and lives of His children. Number two. So number one, fear degrades our Lord. Number two, fear destroys our lives. Fear destroys our lives. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So what is a snare? A snare is a trap. What does a trap do? It immobilizes and it renders it ineffective. Now, I'm going to give you a visual, and I was going to actually bring the trap up here and snap it. And I was, We have this fake rat, but I didn't have time to go get the fake rat, and I was going to put him in the trap and all kinds of stuff. Have you ever, ever heard that sound? And you stop in your house. And all of a sudden, you go over to the mouse trap, and there is one in there. What happened? He became ensnared to the trap. He became imprisoned to the trap. So I told the guys over at ABC, they were having some mice problems, and I said, guys, what you're doing wrong is you're setting the traps and you're putting them in the middle of the rooms. Mice don't go in the middle of a room. You don't even have to put peanut butter. Put the traps along the wall. They use their whiskers to feel... And they'll travel. If you've ever watched a mouse, they don't come buzzing straight through the, the middle of a room, unless you've got about a hundred of them. They will follow a wall. And so I said, as soon as they get to the trap, it'll ensnare them. They came back to me, we cannot believe the mice we caught over the weekend. Because they have a warehouse there. I said, see, you guys are putting peanut butter in there. I kept coming in, I would empty the trash, I'd look down, I'm like, why has that trap been sitting there for like three weeks? Guys, you don't put a trap in the middle of the room. But what's amazing, it's just like our life. We get ensnared. Just like Nehemiah, the enemy wanted to trap him, and so he wants to trap us. We try to slide up against the wall because we're afraid. But what happens? We get caught up in the trap of the enemy. And when he gets a hold of us, we are no longer effective for him. There was a prophet named Shemaiah, not a real man of God, but a hireling who did, do, who did it just for money. And here's what Satan did. He used that prophet, Shemaiah, by paying him to set a trap. He hid in his house and pretended his life was in danger. He got Nehemiah's attention and urged him to flee and attempt to get him to leave the work of the wall. Verse 12 says this, And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but he pronounced this prophecy against me that he pronounced this prophecy against me. You can hit the, the air if you would, please. Not hit air, you can turn it off. You know what I noticed in verse 12? That Satan is still laying the trap for us today. Fear brings a snare, and it also brings torment. Fear brings a snare, and it also brings torment. Anxiety. Fear brings ulcers. Fear brings high blood pressure. Fear brings stomach problems of all kinds. 
So I'm going to ask you a question. Who here is terrified of speaking in public? Okay, Mike, I need you to come up. Victoria, I mean, you guys can finish the message. Here's my notes. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, I don't think so. Isn't it amazing? Because fear overcomes us. And we have to be careful of that because that's exactly what Satan wants us to do is to be tormented. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. You can torment yourself physically with fear. And so fear is to the body what sand is to the machinery, but faith is like oil. Listen to this story. A man was getting up in years. His brother had died and left him a million dollars. The kids were afraid to tell Grandpa about this big inheritance because he had a weak heart. They didn't want him to have a coronary. They said, let the pastor tell him he's trained and he can break in the news to him. Because you see, pastor's always good at breaking in bad news. They instructed the preacher and he agreed. He joined Grandpa on the porch rocking. A little small talk and then he came out, and here's what he said. Just hypothetically speaking, what would you do if you inherited a million dollars? Grandpa said, well, at my age, I don't really need it. I guess I'd just give it all to the church. And the preacher fell over dead of a heart attack. Okay. The kids were afraid to tell him, and yet... He was open and he spoke to him. There's all kinds of things that motivate us because we're afraid. Listen, church. Here's what I think Satan has done. He's brought you into a place that was a snare. He's tormented you. He has told you you do not have power. He has told you that, you know what, there is no way that you can walk over to a brother and lay hands on him and pray over him and healing will take place. See, it's not me, the pastor, bringing healing. It's God the Father. Yes, people have, we're back to the giftings. But if you feel like your greatest gift is prayer, then you reach out and you start praying for people. I mean, there are people that are out there that really, really are powerful prayers, warriors. And when you're a prayer warrior, then God can then start using you where you're at. Fear brings bondage. Hebrews 2.15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Many cannot enjoy the moment because they are so afraid of what might happen. Some can't fully enjoy their own children because they're so afraid of what might befall them. And you know, it's funny because, you know, so many parents, Victoria graduates this past week, we went through the commencement services, and, you know, and I am not kidding you when I say, parents have said to me, even this week, I don't know what's going to happen to poor Junior and little Missy. What's going to happen to her? Where's she going to go? What's she going to do? I don't know. If God's in control, then don't worry about it. But see, Satan has told us all along, worry about it. Worry, have anxiety. Now, at my house, I've told my girls, you need to be home at 11. Victoria said last night, can I go out yet till 12? It's my house. These are my rules and you'll abide by them. 
But here's what I tell the kids all the time. I'm not going to worry about her because I trust her. But I always tell them, at 12.01, nothing good happens after 12. That's why you're coming home. So what does dad do? He gets up, and I text you girls, don't I? And if they don't text me, I'm texting them immediately, and they have to say, Dad, I'm in the house, I'm home, and then I check my phone, and if I don't, then I go on a manhunt in the house to find them. So what's always great, and I'll appreciate it, is that, Dad, I'm in bed. I was sleeping till you just text me. You know, we've had talks and talks and talks about it. I'm not worried about them. I pray every day, and I've entrusted them in the Lord's hands. Travis and Heather, last week when they dedicated the babies, what they're saying is, God, we entrust you with our children. No, God's entrusted you to raise those babies and protect them, feed them, and, and raise them up in the ways of the Lord. But, hey... When they get to a place, they start graduating. Now you guide them into adulthood. I didn't pack her bags and put them on the front porch to say, have a nice life, Victoria. Good luck to you, honey. Hope things work out for you. Don't be afraid. You know. So no, we still guide them and we raise them and we train them for those days ahead. Number three. Well, fear destroys our lives. It degrades our Lord. But number three, fear delights our enemy. Number three, fear delights our enemy. Nehemiah was a gifted leader, but it doesn't matter. If he is paralyzed with fear, his talents would be of no value. You guys, I want to sing a song for you. You'd, you'd be like, what, what's he doing? Sorry, but when I get afraid, nothing comes out anymore. Do you, do you guys remember the Schaefer Band? So the Schaefer Band, they've been here. They were with us at... at the YMCA, all of a sudden, Satan got a hold of her. He got her in a snare. And the reason why you guys didn't, have not seen Cassie and them for a long, long time was because Cassie ended up becoming so fearful to get on a stage and sing that when she got up to sing, she said, my throat would close up. She had to go through physical therapy for her throat. She had to, to go through all kinds of prayer and through help just to be able to get back on a stage, and sing. So the question is, see, the enemy's always there, isn't he? He's always there to trip us up and to, to make us ineffective to do the work of the Lord. And so I think if, if we as pastors get so teachy in the message instead of challenging us to overcome our fears, then we still stay in bondage, and that's why people aren't stepping out. Well, I can't teach those little snotty-nosed babies they're toddlers. They scream. I mean, they're not even learning anything. Miss Paula doesn't feel that way. She knows that the years that she's put into little children, that it teaches them. And they want and they desire to learn the Word of God. And so that's where we have to understand that, that never lose focus and yet stay focused because Satan always wants to paralyze us. And if we don't use our gifts, we fail to be a blessing to God, but we delight the enemy. And if we don't use our gifts, we fail to be a blessing to God, but we delight in the enemy. Some can sing, but won't out of fear. Some can teach, but won't out of fear. Some can pray, but won't out of fear. Some can come forward to the altar, but won't out of fear. 
Some need to surrender to preach, but won't out of fear. Some need to get assurance of salvation, but they'll clench that pew and won't move out of fear. And so Satan continues to keep you in bondage. You know that I'm talking to you because you've been in the same position where he said, you need to walk over there and pray for that person. You need to get out of your seat and get your heart right with God. But you won't because you're afraid of what somebody else is going to say about you. And what God wants to do is he wants to grow you. Remember, perfect love casts out fear because he loves you. Matthew 25, 25 says, And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. I was afraid and I went and hid my gift in the earth. So what is the answer to fear? Do what Nehemiah did. He stayed focused rather than enemy focused. He remembered his sovereignty, his providence, and his power. You can follow along with me, but I wanted to finish today as I close with scripture verses. And here are the scripture verses. If you want to follow with me, that's fine, or you can listen to them. But I want you to know that you too can overcome fear. I have been very fearful of doing things. Yes, the first time I went to pastor's conference, I didn't want to go to the prayer room. I'm serious. Because what would happen if I was over here in this group and all of a sudden Daniel Henderson says, turn around and pray with the four guys behind you or four, four or five people behind you. And I had to turn around and pray out loud with them. Man, I heard that guy pray and he can pray so eloquently that the choir singing in the background. I don't want to do that. Well, that's, that was fear. Do you know that every time I get up and I know that I'm going this week, that I'm doing something that sometimes I feel like I'm inadequate. When I get up and I get ready and I get my shower, they don't understand. Yeah, out of 1,800 men, you walk in that room and there's 150 pastors. And it is the sweetest. Guys, it is the greatest gift that I could ever give you two men is to go and just enjoy that time. And I told them, just to be in a room where all of a sudden it is well with my soul we break out to. And, I mean, how great thou art. And some of the beautiful songs that are out there. Some of the beautiful praise songs. And it's live and the music's playing. And, you know, it's just so spirit-filled. But I, I say all that to say, you haven't been doing anything because you've gotten afraid and, and Satan's gotten a hold of you. That's called a stronghold. And, and in order to lose that stronghold, you have to understand what the Word of God has to say. He says, whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatsoever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Today, say this with me. I'm free. Because you can trust God. And when you start getting nervous, that's me. I am nervous Nelly. I am nervous. And you know what I've started practicing? And when I was doing this message, I thought to myself, Todd, this is for you. I said, I know it was. I was talking to myself. I said, I know it is. Because I know where I have become afraid. Our daughter, Victoria, is afraid to get her license. You no longer have to be afraid. You overcome that. You gain strength and trust in God. Allie, you did it, girl. She got her license. Hallelujah. Her encouragement, she overcame her fear. And this past week, got her license. You go, girl. See, you have to all of a sudden gain the courage to say, I can and I will. 
And that's what Nehemiah did. He said, oh no, we're building this wall. No, that's Satan wants to... He doesn't want the wall built because there's enemies out there. And if you look in the scripture, he went out at night to make sure nobody saw him. We don't have to. If God be for us, who shall be against us? 1 John 4, 4 says this. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in this world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Psalms 27, 1. The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say of these things? If God be for us, who shall be against us? Psalms 56, 3. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and be courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is in the Lord your God who goes with you. For he said, he will never leave you and he will not forsake you. Fear of God alleviates all other fears. And if you kneel before God, you can stand before man. And if you kneel before God, you can stand before man. Isn't that wonderful? Cast all your care on Him. For He loves you and He cares for you. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. And we just pray, Father, that for many in this room, Lord, they need to be delivered of the fear. Lord, you already know what's going on. You know what they're you know what the battle is that's raging within their soul. You know where they're at mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. God, you know that. And Lord, today I just want, Lord, for for people to step out of their seats, come to you. Say, God, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to put my trust in you today. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because I know that what Satan is trying to do is to trip me up. But it's during this time, in this storm, through this rain, that I'm going to gain strength like I've never had before. Because I'm going to put all my faith and all my trust in you. God, we trust you today. We don't just say it. We claim it. And we receive it. Thank you, Father, for never leaving us, never forgetting who we are, never forsaking us for being right beside us. Oh, God, thank you for your word this morning. And if there's some in this room, Lord, that need delivered from anxiety, from worry, from fear, 
Lord, today is their day of deliverance. May they claim it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said,